Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, my friends. Simon Miller here, and welcome to Retro Ups and Downs for SummerSlam 2001. Obviously, because you love the Attitude Era, and the latest SummerSlam is upon us. It's why we do get comfy in the intro, as I will regale you of tales from this period. And don't ever think the WWE has changed over the last 20 years, because do you know what the big talking point before SummerSlam 2001 was? What should be the main event? Maybe plans need to change. Now, the choices were The Rock versus Booker T for the WCW title, which seems so crazy, or a bad guy, Stone Cold Steve Austin, taking on Kurt Angle for the WWE title. And of course, here we are in the midst of the invasion angle. And if you would like to know how that ends, Survivor Series 2001, we did ages ago. <laughs> you can see just how bad it is. Now, we did go with The Rock in the end because one, this is when he was getting super duper mega popular. But also two, when it did come to Austin versus Angle, they were going to have a bunch of shenanigans. And I can only presume WWE went, oh, hi, we should send the fans home happy. But look at the irony in that sentence. We picked the World Championship Wrestling Belt because there wasn't going to be any funny business. You watched the last 12 months of WCW before it died. Well, you know. The usual back and forth then continued because when all was said and done, everybody went, oh, we should have made Stone Cold versus Kurt go on last. It just goes to show you can never win. We may as well just cry into our series. The most interesting part does come down to what the future was meant to hold because WWE did want to protect Kurt Angle here because he only just turned babyface. But also, we wanted to put everything where it was because at that Survivor Series show I just talked about, at one point, we were going to do The Rock versus Steve Austin. Yep. It would happen outside the WrestleMania bubble, which would be a big deal. And don't forget, the roles have been reversed. And I know you're now shouting, but Steve Austin's heel turn didn't work. WWE didn't care back then. They were just looking at dollars and thought they could come up with something completely different. Austin versus Triple H at WrestleMania 2002 was also on the cards because Hunter was about to come back from injury. And then when we got to Mania 18, you got Hulk Hogan versus The Rock, Steve Austin versus Scott Hall. Triple H was taken on Chris Jericho in the main event. So these were very strange times. We also did a lot of groundwork here because we had so many championships that we did have to unify, which means, yes, it is at SummerSlam 2001, where that now infamous match between The Undertaker and Kane taking on DDP and Chris Canyon happens. And if you don't know, my word, you are actually in for utter destruction. Otherwise, though, in the world of wrestling, there wasn't much news. I mean, the WWF was about to become the WWE because the WWF had just lost their court case against the WWF, obviously the World Wildlife Fund. And because WCW had died, 
Well, it was just World Wrestling Federation or nothing. And sure, there were little tidbits here and there, but after the two biggest companies had basically merged, or WWE had bought WCW, do you think anybody cared about anything else? No, they did not. It's not like sports entertainment was slowing down either, because this pay-per-view did 570,000 buys, which kind of amazingly is the exact same figure that SummerSlam 2000 did. Huh. We also threw 15,000 plus people into the compact center in San Jose, California. Don't forget, if you are watching this on day one, SummerSlam 2023 is about to do 50,000. Oh, how far we've come. Either way, though, let's get in our time machines and go all retro and up those downs for SummerSlam 1991. What? No, 2001. Where did that come from? So I am super happy we get to talk about this first match because it is Edge versus Lance Storm for the Intercontinental Championship. It made me happy. And why? Lance Storm, because I was but a young pup, basically a fetus, when SummerSlam 2001 was on, but over the years I have realised that Lance Storm is one of the most underrated and underappreciated wrestlers ever. So anytime I do get to go, oh my gosh, Lance Storm, I'm going to take that opportunity, even though I do come across as a little bit strange. We all know the deal with Adam Copeland and what he was going to go on to do as well, and the big takeaway here is that we did have Team WWF, and we did have Team Alliance, and yeah, we were about to shift all the belts around, starting with the IC title, which was kind of okay just after the millennium, also kind of not. There's nothing in my hand. Otherwise, the big takeaway message was meant to be the World Wrestling Federation is the best, and if you don't think we're the best, we're going to make sure that you go away going, <laughs> that WWF is the best. And to do that, we were also going to start here, the big push for Edge, once again. Can you argue with that? No? He was going to do pretty well. And the best part is that it does tie into the modern day, because halfway through, Christian, Edge's brother, just walks out. He goes to spear Lance Storm. He misses, but he accidentally hits Edge. But, of course, this is when we were telling the story that maybe Christian was a little bit jealous, and maybe he was going to pretend <laughs> that he was a champion. What does that sound like? It also gave us a great near fall, and I actually bought this. I don't remember things that happened 22 years ago. Back then I had hair. They then just do all the reversals, and if you actually look closely, you can see Lance pulling all the strings, because again, he is just so damn good. When eventually Edge hits that DDT thing he used to do, it was called the edge matic or something ridiculous, and he beats him. One, two, three, everybody shouts Oodalali. You also see Edge and Christian celebrating together, but you can just see in Christian's eyes that he's not entirely happy. This is just such a good start to the pay-per-view, and actually one of the better matches on the thing. Giving it up. You also have to cut to one of those stupid Team WWF locker rooms after this, and everyone going, ah, our boy did it. Although front and center of this is Hardcore Holly. If you've read Hardcore Holly's book, you know at one stage, Creative said to him, oh, Hardcore, what shall we do with you? And he went, give me the world championship and let me flubbing beat everyone. So forgive me for thinking maybe he wasn't overly pleased. We then get an interview with Test and the Dudleys, which actually does help for the next match. But for some reason, Test is stood there like he really needs the toilet. The youngest ever looking Michael Cole then says, Test, why did you do this? And do you know what Test says? Even back in 2001, it was the fans. <laughs> it was the fans why I joined Team Alliance. They never showed me nothing, and they never showed the Dudley Boys nothing either. In fact, he actually says that Bubba Ray and Devon put their blood into the WWF. And I was like, what the hell have you guys been doing? Apparently, they all got screwed over, though, for Spike Dudley. And your major takeaway when you do see this is that Test uses the word loyalty about 42 times. 
I don't think he knows what loyalty means. Even though this show is actually under three hours too, we then do cut to an interview with Chris Jericho. And Lillian Garcia is all like, oh, Chris, you have to fight Rhino later and you've never beat him. So of course, Jericho says, well, there has to be a first time. So let's make a bunch of sexual gags about Stephanie McMahon losing her virginity. What happened? Let's just move on. Because we have to get right into another Team WWF versus Team Alliance thing. It's just where we were. This is when it gets so messy because the WCW ECW guys this time are Test and the Dudley Boys. Now with Devon and Bubba, you can kind of go where well, they were in the original Extreme Championship Wrestling, but they've also been in the WWF. So I don't know why they switched. And as for Test, well, he just told us it's about loyalty. This is absolute nonsense. It also means the APA and Spike Dudley are fighting on behalf of Vince McMahon and I almost collapsed on the floor. I mean, why didn't you just go and get, I don't know, the Green Goblin? That would have made as much sense. Nick Patrick is also the referee, which is not fair because he's the WCW official. And even though this is SummerSlam, <laughs> it goes seven minutes. Although again, I think the thing tops out at two hours 42. I will always take that. It was actually still pretty good though because it is just action, action, action. And it's Bradshaw that gets the hot tag here, and he must have been pretty over. The fans are super, super loud about it. Around this time, too, it was actually good for him because management were going, oh, maybe we should push Bradshaw before they decided not to push him. For a few years anyway, you know what's coming. The power bomb he gives to Tess, too, is genuinely terrifying because Tess is not a small man. And when Spike gets in there and goes to give him that bulldog thing, Tess just grabs him, and he doesn't just throw him through a table. He absolutely annihilates him. Again, if you are going to watch it, listen to the sound. It's like a bomb went off. This is when Bradshaw continues with the absolute murder because he slams Tess with a clothesline from hell. But surprise, surprise, Nick Patrick wasn't around to make the one, two, three. Maybe he had something in his eye. I mean, he was actually making sure Spike Dudley had it just been murdered, which was fair, but it's just the first of many shenanigans on this show. Because, of course, as it is still pretty much the Attitude Era, Shane McMahon turns up. He hits Bradshaw with a chair shot that we'd never do today. Test pins him, one, two, three. Oh, Team Alliance have gone one, one. Whatever you want to say. So, of course, we're trying to make sure that you think there's jeopardy for Team WWF. But I'll let you in a spoiler. There ain't no jeopardy. <laughs> they didn't care about that at all. If they could have done, they would have pulled down their pants. That's something that's likely illegal on live television. But I tell you, it's never boring. The fans totally buy into it. And I actually had a jolly old good time, even though it doesn't really feel like a SummerSlam match. Uh, everybody is then in the back going, oh, Edge, you did such a good job. We love you, Edge. And Christian walks in. And of course, he's not pleased about this at all. So what he has done is he has gone and got him a European Championship match on Raw taking on Matt Hardy. He also rings his grandma to tell her, which is a very odd thing to do, but she wants to talk to Edge because, of course, he's just won the Intercontinental Championship. So after Edge has gone, oh, Granny Edna, I love you, he passes the phone back to Christian and the grandma hangs up on him. Now, look, I'm sorry. I understand you're happy for one grandson, but if that's what you do to the other one, the problem ain't Christian. It's you, grandma. You need to rethink your priorities. We also then cut to Sean Stasiak in the back, who is just walking in on Deborah McMichael, who's getting changed. And you will remember this if you are a long-term fan. This was the start of Benny Skits, where he was just going to run at The Rock, fail to take out The Rock, and instead go straight into a garage door. And if you want to know why we did this, it's because over WrestleMania weekend, after WWE had bought WCW, the WCW guys were meant to be on that pay-per-view, but Sean Stasiak went and blagged it. So, yep, this was his punishment. What a moron. We then had more unifying of the titles, though, because it was the WCW Cruiserweight Championship taking on the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. 
sadly, the inanimate objects weren't fighting, that would have ruled. It is X-Pac versus Tajiri, though, and of course Tajiri has been put on Team Alliance because he was once in ECW, but actually, you can't fault this. That's a really damn good match, and if you want to be like a historian, you can see how these two guys kind of paved the way for the future. I mean, Tajiri is doing acai moonsaults in 2001, which is way ahead of his time. And some of the submissions here, they're just reversing in and they're reversing out. So I'm just going to reiterate what I just said. Don't tell me modern wrestlers aren't watching these two peaks going, oh man, I can steal from them. It's damn theft. It also shows as well that X-Pac is such an underrated wrestler, much like Lance Storm. And of course, we get the tarantula here. A move that is so stupid because the ref's like, well, look, if you don't let him go in five seconds, I'm going to disqualify you. What can you do in five seconds that's actually going to hurt? I mean, you could pinch someone, but this ain't it. X-Pac then does this awesome dive, so I was just chatting 2023 wrestling, when he hits the X-Factor and Tajiri kicks out a tune. I do not forget, this was his finisher, but it all ties into WrestleMania 17. The Rock and Steve Austin had kicked out of so many damn moves, it just became an epidemic, which is still going on today. So if you want to go have a funeral for the finishing move, this is the year. And then just continue to reverse everything because they're so damn good when Albert just walks out. So Tajiri's like, all right, well, you're on the apron. And he spits the mist in his face. And the ref couldn't care less about this, which when X-Pac realized there's some balls, he punches him right in the dick. He hits the X-Factor, one, two, three. And now he's the double champion. But this is clearly a heel finish. And Team WWF are being portrayed as the baby faces. So I was like, I don't know whether I'm meant to cheer or boo. Who cares about any of that, though, because they have real problems. This happened years and years ago. You just sit down and watch it. You'll have a great old time giving it up. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash whatculture. I'll tell you who was not having a good old time, though. Perry Saturn, because he was at WWF New York, Yes, he had a milk can because he had lost the love of his life 
which was a mop. Now, this is only one of those sentences you can say in wrestling. And my first question is, well, why have you got to WWF New York? I don't think a cleaning tool is going to go there. And I'm kind of torn about this because, one, they definitely gave it to him to punish him when he beat somebody up in the ring for real. But two, it is goofy wrestling for life. Maybe the king of all goofy wrestling storylines. I mean, I meant to sit at home and go, oh, wow, the love between a man and his mop. I mean, where did he stick it? I also love the thought of paying your dues in wrestling and just bumping and getting hurt and climbing your way to the top when you get to the big leagues and then go, ha, ha, do we have a story for you? Wrestling is stupid. We also see Stephanie McMahon getting really mad at Rhino because she's worried that he may not be able to beat Chris Jericho, even though she chose Rhino because Chris Jericho has never been able to beat him. So I get out like that. I'm going to have to leave. This show getting out of control. Rhino calms her down by saying that he's going to finish Chris Jericho off. I was like, man, that is a very poor choice of words. Of course, it means we then do get Chris Jericho versus Rhino. Actually, pretty decent. It is kind of mad because, of course, in a few months, not only was Chris Jericho going to be main eventing WrestleMania, as we talked about, but his manager was going to be Stephanie McMahon. So once again, when you try and do that maths, two plus two equals potato. Now, I do really like both guys, but they do have to work harder here because there's actually no beef. There's no titles on the line. There's nothing really coming into this. But what they did do is in the back must have gone, well, should we just go out there and have a banger? Bang, they did. It made me laugh because when you do do your research about this event, everyone is like, <laughs> Chris Jericho fell off the top rope at one point. I was like, who cares? You know he's a human being, right? You know he's allowed to make mistakes. Everything else about this is, you know, it's a damn good wrestling match. Why do we care when somebody makes a botch? I agree with Chris. I hate that word. You also learned that early on in the match, Jericho got smacked so hard, he probably suffered a concussion. Now, nobody in 2001 even knew what a concussion was. So the fact he even carried on, on the one hand he shouldn't have, on the other, how did he do what he did? I would imagine he did get knocked woozy-goozy as well when he jumps out of the ring and gets absolutely gored onto the floor. What is the deal with wrestlers? Around this time, Stephanie McMahon distracts the referee as well. And this is when you do have to put up with problematic content. Because Chris decides, well, I'm going to get up to her and I'm just going to give her a kiss. Obviously, you shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff, be it in the real world or in the fictional world. I found it a little bit awkward. I'm not really sure what his plan was either, because then he just leaves her. Stephanie McMahon dies and he goes to do the lion salt. That doesn't work, so Rhino goes for a gore. Chris Jericho gets out of the way of that. And it looks like he goes to the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment surprise roll up. The referee goes to count, then goes, oh, no, wait, something else is coming. He locks in the walls. Rhino taps out. Stephanie is nowhere to be seen because she's like knocked out from the kiss or something, although she is running around. But look, given everything they did have, up, I'm throwing her down in there as well. Don't go kissing people. Well, just don't do it. When The Rock and William Regal are together, how can you not love that? This was to remind you that The Rock had been put through Alan and Out table on SmackDown, so is he 100%? William is very concerned. When Rocky is all like, I'm going to be fine. And of course, Sean Stasiak runs in and goes right into the wall. Utter doofus. Now, the really weird part is at one point, The Rock just goes, SummerSlam. <laughs> yes, Dwayne, that is the name of the event. We then fly into what is another good match because it is Rob Van Dam versus Jeff Hardy for the Hardcore Championship. And if you can believe it, the stipulation is ladder. Now, especially around this time, that belt did feel like an afterthought. But because Jeff Hardy was a massive star, because RVD was on his way up, they just go out there and have an absolutely crazy contest. And it's one of the few occasions on SummerSlam 2001 when somebody walks in with a title and they walk out with it. Because again, 
you just can't say no to Rob Van Dam, the dude is over. Now again, given who is involved, this is absolutely nuts, and so many of the bumps are gonna be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did it, including a suplex and a sunset flip bomb. But it is around this time as well where you start going, man, we get in a lot of ladder matches, and of course we got the law of diminishing returns, because everybody was just trying to raise the bar higher and higher, when the powers that be were like, look guys, you've all got to calm down, because somebody is going to die. Look, I know we enjoy the insanity of it, but they were right. Jeff also goes for this springboard moonsault and just goes flying into Alan the announce table, and then when he goes for something else, he crashes into Barry Barricade. I'm like, Jeff, why are you doing this? You are enough. RVD then does a center onto the ladder and goes for a splash and goes flying into the thing. And I want to know why wrestlers don't care about their backs. Look what happens when you don't care about your back. All of a sudden, you just started falling down and you have to fight gravity even more than you would otherwise. This is a brand new thing we have to start talking about. Protect your back. Because it is 2001 as well, Jeff Hardy is just hanging from the belt at one point. I suppose we had to do that. This is low key hilarious because RVD goes to knock him off with a spin kick. He totally misses, so Jeff just falls. And again, I don't mind it. Human beings make mistake, but when you look at it out of context, like what the flub is going on? The bump Hardy takes off the ladder towards the end is so horrific as well, but I suppose this does work, because by the time Rob Van Dam climbs up and achieves the championship, you're like, well, of course that happened. I don't actually know how Jeffrey is ever going to walk again. It does keep the card super interesting, though, and mixes up the pacing and just so much respect to them. This feels like a forgotten ladder match, but it's so violent, it's so brutal, it's so aggressive. What else can I do? Give me a lap. They had more backstage nonsense yet, because Booker T and Shane McMahon are having a chat, and Shane O has a present for the book. Booker has ever sells it wonderfully, because he does have a great goofy side. As it turned out, it is the bookends from Alan the Announce Table that Booker T had put the rock through on that episode of SmackDown. So don't you come into my house and say, oh my gosh, wrestling used to be much more serious. No, <laughs> no, it didn't. Goofy wrestling for life. When things take a massive tumble. I mean, the irony. Let's just talk about it. It is The Undertaker and Kane taking on DDP and Chris Canyon in a steel cage with all the tag team titles on the line. But clearly somebody had gone to Vince McMahon and said, hey, I've got an idea for a story. We should kill them. So poor DDP and Canyon get absolutely murked. And it's doubly bad, because you have to watch this and remember, oh yeah, Diamond Dallas Page is a stalker here. Just started smacking myself in the head. The Big Red Machine also has a screwed up back, which ties into what I just said. So this barely goes 10 minutes, but when you're watching it, it feels like it goes 92 hours, because it's just beating and beating and beating. At one point, Undertaker and Kane actually let Chris Canyon leave, just because they want to beat on DDP by himself. By the end of it, I was rooting for Paige. He's the most sympathetic man ever. The Brothers of Destruction also no-sell everything here, so it's utterly pointless. And at one point, Taker's got a chain. He batters DDP, one, two, and he picks the guy off the floor. So we even did that spot. And then it gets even more stupid because Taker goes up to him and says, listen, DDP, you can just go. You can just leave. Stop mucking around with my life. And this moron believes him. He tries to get out of the cage. Last ride, choke slam. Probably got shot with a gun. Had his head chopped off. And the ref counts the three. Just one of the weirdest matches you will ever see. Why did they agree to it? This is bad. Like, it's really, really bad. Especially because, once again, we took DDP, the ultimate baby face, and we made him some sort of criminal. And I was just going to give it a down. But now I've recounted it, it's getting a brown down. It's just... I even forgot The Undertaker and Kane won the Unified Tag Team Championships. 
was more worried about the state of two human beings. More backstage silliness with Stasiak after that, where The Rock is going, listen to me, Doctor, I'm perfectly fine and I can have a wrestling match. Where once again, the people's champ just goes, SummerSlam. I was like, listen, Chief, somebody really has to confirm that, yes, that's the name of the pay-per-view. What are you doing? Why don't we just get a total 180? Because we have chatted about the argument over the main event, but I'll let you know my stance on it. I don't flubbing care. It's back in 2001. But it is Kurt Angle versus Steve Austin for the WWF title, and holy crap, is this an amazing match. Plus, there's kind of an asterisk there, because in order to make sure we go where we needed to go, we are desperately trying to get Angle over as a babyface, and we are desperately trying to get Austin over as a heel. And while that never worked, the absolute quality they produced here... This is a classic. As Steve is the asshole in this one, he starts working over Angle's knee. And usually people used to do that to Austin. When all of a sudden the suplex war begins, and especially Stone Cold, who has a broken neck, he's taken everything. Don't forget this is just before Brock Lesnar arrives as well. So while Steve Austin is doing normal suplexes, Kurt Angle is doing German after German after German. If you want to tell me where the idea came from, well, I think I found it. It finishes off with the superplex for a one-two kickout, and I suppose if you are trying to escalate the thing, that does make sense. When Angle gets hit with the stunner, and he kicks out of that as well, and in this moment you're like, Poof, well, there it is. We're trying to make him a star. Being the smart dude he is, the rattlesnake just drops Kurt with another stunner, but he's also intelligent, so he rolls out the ring. And some of the stuff they do on the outside. I mean, it begins with Steve Austin going, "Oh yeah, look at Rita the ring post. She looks pretty good today." <laughs> he just throws the Olympic gold medalist into her over and over and over. Again. Of course, that bus open angle, <laughs> they're just killing each other in Barry Barricade and in the fans, and Austin even takes a belly-to-belly -belly suplex onto the concrete. But at some point during this, Kurt must have taken a Phoenix down, because they get back in the squared circle, and he's got Austin in the ankle lock. Kurt also connects with the moonsault for a 1-2-R kickout, and that confused me. Because on a recent episode of his podcast, he said after he did it and broke somebody's arm, he never tried it again. He doesn't hear, and he absolutely smashes it. He also admitted that he never practiced this move, so he is some sort of wrestling savant. When Steve Austin looks at referee Earl Hebner, and he's so mad he can't be Kurt, he just takes him out. Then Mike Kyoto is here, so he gives him a stunner. So Timmy White runs him, and he smashes him with the belt. Like, how is none of this disqualification? He may as well use a gun. And of course, all goes bad for Angle, because he is able to use this nonsense to hit the Angle Slam when Nick Patrick comes in. He goes one, he goes two. But all of a sudden, he just calls the whole thing off. So you're like, oh, maybe he did the three count, but I didn't see. But no, he disqualifies Steve Austin because he'd attacked all these referees. On the one hand, that is the right thing to do. That is the rules. On the other, what a crappy finish. And once again, the idea here was just to try and get people so mad at Austin, but it didn't work. They just took their anger and went, boo, Nick Patrick, boo. But look, I'm taking that, boop, and I'm kicking it over there. This is an absolute five-star classic. And again, if you haven't seen it, make sure you change that today. It definitely gets an up. I feel pretty disappointed in myself that I forgot about it. Don't know why I kissed the finger. I also probably think if we do want to get into it, it should have been the main event, which is no lock on the last match, because that's fun too. It is for the WCW World Title 2, and it is kind of surreal to watch this, because for 10 years plus, the WWF have been telling us, man, that World Championship Wrestling, they absolutely suck, and now we're meant to take this title as a big deal. That is probably why we gave it to The Rock. It's just natural. Jim Ross also goes out of his way to tell us, oh, by the way, if the great one does win, Team WWF will be up 5-2 to two over Team Alliance. That sums that up. And literally, from this point on till November, when Team WWF finally win the war, the big message is, 
WCW sucks. You also have to remember that in mid-2001, The Rock is so damn over because Austin is the main heel and therefore he is the main babyface and nobody is confused here. So some of the reactions, ooh, delally. He also goes to the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment pretty early, but that doesn't work when he transitions into the sharpshooter. And no, this isn't the best sharpshooter you've ever seen. But some people actually take offense to this. I think you need to find a real problem. We can't get through any of these matches without shenanigans, so Shane McMahon is here and he just whacks The Rock right in the head with the belt, but of course he kicks out because he's our super doopy baby face. When the APA just turn up and Bradshaw gives Shane this clothesline from hell, and I can't think of another way to explain it. That definitely was not fake. I also really enjoyed this because people today are like, oh man, Roman Reigns overdoes this. I'm like, man, you need to go back to this period. And this is when the book hits the bookend and he has the rock pinned, but the referee doesn't see it because he's worried about Shane McMahon. He's literally on the outside looking at him. I was like, what are you doing? Which is my catchphrase for this episode. It carries on because we do get the people's elbow. So McMahon just pulls the referee out the ring. So of course the rock goes and gives him a rock bomb. And after Booker just whacks the rock, he decides, well, I think now it's the best time to do the spinneroonie. I tell you this, it absolutely is not. The rock pops to his feet, rock bottom, one, two, three. Level with you, it's quite the anticlimactic finish. It does mean that Dwayne Johnson is now the WCW champion, though, and again, everybody in San Jose is totally behind this. They really do treat it like a big deal. So it's just your standard three star match, but you'll have an absolute roller coaster. I'm giving it up. And of course, we shall finish with the star ratings from the Wrestling Observer newsletter, because people love arguing about this. And we start with Edge versus Storm, that got three and a quarter stars. The Dudley's Test versus Spike in the APA got two and three quarter stars. X Park versus Tajiri got three and three quarter stars. Jericho versus Ryan got two and a quarter stars. RVD versus Hardy got three and a half stars. Taker and Kane versus the Jabroni got one star. I don't know where that came from. Austin versus Angle got four and a half stars. And our main event, as I just told you, stars. Which does indeed bring us to the end of SummerSlam 2001. And look, if you do go watch an event from this period, it's so chaotic, you have to give it an up. Even when you get a stupid finish, it ain't never dull. Now make sure you do click the video on the screen right now, which will be our last retro ups and downs that we did, which is WrestleMania 27. Stop yelling at me going, that's not retro. Retro is just a word that means old. Stop being so damn stupid. Calm down. Please like the video, share the video, and subscribe. Thank you for joining me always. You take care of yourself. I'll see you in two weeks. Retro Ups and Downs is a fortnightly show. Keep saying that, but nobody's listening. Love you very much. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.